message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Time for Tim Drusdale coming up from the Bay Area. I don't know if you guys remember in Julian. Good job, man. Yeah, kill it. You guys did great. So it's nice to see you guys. Tim is from Canada. I just want you to know that, so... I don't know why, just random. How you guys doing? That was weak. I know it's early, but how are you guys doing? You guys doing okay? All right. Good, good, good. I just chugged my Starbucks. I'm not sure if that's a good idea. <laughs> there was a little bit left, and I just, I was like, I'm just going to do this. Um, so if I run off the stage at the end, you'll know why. Anyway, um, Hopefully you guys are doing good. So I, on October 1st, I spoke and I uh, did the first part of this teaching. And it was called Ghost Stories, and it was called Replacing Your Fears, uh, Your Unhealthy Fears With. And um, I had five points. I got through two. And so today I'm going to get through the other three, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to kind of end. Uh, basically... We're going to begin and we're going to end. We're, uh, and then in the middle, there's just a ton of scripture, a ton. And so uh, if, you're, if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't, I don't really care what this guy has to say. That's fine. That's okay. I, I, don't, I don't mind that. Um, but I, I hope you care what the Bible has to say. And um, it's always my hope that, you know, after I speak, that you guys forget all about me and forget about, uh, you know, um, Josh's funny stories or whatever. But that you remember the word. And that's what I want you to remember, because that's what lasts, and that's what's going to change your life. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm going to try not to go on too many tangents. I have lots of thoughts this morning, but uh, we'll just let the Holy Spirit lead. How about that? All right, let's pray this. Father, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you in, in public, in this group, in this family. We, we are uh, in the public square today. We're online. We're all over, but we're also in your living room. And we're together. And this is a family talk. And Lord, together we say thank you. We say thank you for being there. We say thank you for never letting us go. I, I thank you, God, for just, just protecting us, for guiding us, for fueling us, for giving us hope, for giving us courage, for giving us the ability to not only sur survive, but to thrive through every single thing that, you, that, that the enemy has thrown at us, every single thing that this world has thrown at us. And uh, we're still here, so thank you. I pray, Lord, today that you would fill our hearts, fill our minds. I pray that you'd speak through me, but through this message, God, through your word. And I pray that you touch all of our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us to, to commit more, to go deeper, to get further, Lord, down the line, to go toward you, to not give up. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 So today is Ghost Stories Part 2, and it's called Ghost Stories not because I'm going to tell you a bunch of ghost stories. I could. I have lots of them. <laughs> Growing up in my dad's house, I have lots of stories. But I'm not going to go there. 
I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there. Uh, we're gonna talk about the word. The reason it's called Ghost Stories is because we're talking about fears. And uh, this time of the year, uh, you know, we got Halloween coming up, and some of you guys, uh, by the way, just a little side note before I get into the message, um, this year we're not doing an event for, uh, for the kids. Instead, we are encouraging you guys to stay home and to minister to the trick-or-treaters. Now, some of you guys don't like that, uh, and I understand. You're saying, hey, well, you guys are celebrating Halloween. No, no, we're, we're showing up where the people are. That's what we're doing. Uh, and I thought, I was reminded this week about uh, the scripture where Jesus tells Peter that you are the rock and upon this rock I will build my church. And when, when Jesus told Peter that, they were in a place where um, they would do pagan sacrifices. And, and we've been there before. If you've been to Israel on one of these trips, Bob Bell, you, you've been there with me before, in this place called Caesarea Philippi. And, and in this place, there was a lot of darkness and there was a lot of terrible things, but Jesus walked right in. He walked right into that darkness, and he was a light in that darkness. And so that's what we're uh, hoping that uh, you guys are able to do. Um, if you, if you uh, just forgot to buy candy and you turn your light off, that's fine. But uh, if, you, if, you, if you can be there for your neighborhood, be there for the, for the friends and be there for the family. I've, I've actually spoken to my neighbors more uh, on that holiday than I have other times, which is, which is actually pretty sad. But, uh, but it's a good opportunity, so I want to encourage you guys that. So, all right, ghost stories. Um, this one is called Your Life, Your Choice, because we're going to start with this scripture, and this is kind of like the ground, uh, the, the base for everything else that we're going to talk about. So, Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. I'm going to read out of my Bible, so I'm going to go a little bit fast. Uh, verse 15 says, See, I have set before you today life and good, and death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. So, so God is giving the children of Israel two choices. And, and I want to make sure that you guys understand that he's speaking to people who are prepared. The, the, the children of Israel were in Egypt. They were in slavery. They, they, they wandered the desert. And all that was training. God gave them the Ten Commandments and gave them the laws and gave them all the rules, all the, all the things that they needed to be prepared. They were fully prepared. Just like a lot of you guys, you're fully prepared. You have all the knowledge that you need. You have all the understanding that you're ever going to need in this life. But you still have a choice. Right? It's our choice to live for God or not. And to choose not is a choice. Right? To just do nothing is a choice. And so... He goes on to say in verse 17, if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship the gods and serve them. I declare to you that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over to the Jordan to enter to possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death. He repeats it. Life and death or blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. Therefore, choose life. Therefore, choose life. That's kind of an easy one, right? 
It's kind of like a, if we were there, we would say, come on, guys, you know what to choose. Not hard. It's not difficult. So why did this speech have to happen before they went in? Because it wasn't going to be easy. That's why. Just like your life. You know, we come to church, we hear the messages, and Sundays are great. Sundays are, are, are wonderful. I love Sundays. We come, we hear, we nod, you know, we say, good job, we move on. And Sundays are, are awesome. They're one of my favorite days of the week. But, but then Monday comes. That's when the real choice happens. You're going to wake up tomorrow and God's going to say, hey, I'm going to pick on Bob just because I see it. Bob, choose life. Choose life today. Choose life. You have a choice, right? You can read the rest of that scripture later. Let's move on to 1 Peter 5, 5 through 11. Okay, we can choose life. We can choose to live with God. We can do all these wonderful things. But there will be challenges, right? 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to elders. But then it says here, Clothe yourselves, all of you, okay, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. What is humility? Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less, right? So why is it humility toward one another? It's because when I walk into a room with other believers, when I walk into a room with you guys, my brothers and my sisters, I see your life as as important or not more important than mine, right? If not more important than mine. I, I see your life as very, very, very important. That's what humility is. And understanding where true power comes from, that we both need God, right? So close yourself with, with humility toward another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 6 says, humble yourselves. It says it again, humble. It uses the word over and over and over, Peter does. Humble, humble, humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you right? It's simple. You just cast your anxieties upon him. You live for him and it's going to be okay, right? Verse 8 says, be sober-minded as you do this. Be watchful. Look around. Keep your head on a swivel, right? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And then he says this, resist them. Resist them. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Right? God's going to take care of you. But you've got to resist. You've got to resist. The word resist, uh, what, what comes to mind when I think of the word resist? What's a good, what's a good uh, word to, to replace that word? Maybe, maybe fight? Fight. It's funny because that's what they say. If you were ever attacked by a lion in the, in the woods, mountain, we have mountain lions here, just as scary as the other ones, I think. If you're attacked by one, they say, don't run because it's a giant cat, right? Like it'll, it'll, see, you as a, <laughs> it'll see you as a game, right? And then it'll eat you. Uh, so don't run. Instead, you fight. And people have fought off lions before and, and it's worked. And they've, they've, they got injured in the process, but, uh, but they won. The difference here is obviously it's a spiritual battle, and you can still get injured. But the difference here is that you have a God behind you. He's with you. 
So if you run from the situation, it's interesting, because if you run from the situation, you're not only running from the devil, you're also running from God, who's there in the situation saying, hey, we're going to do this, you know? What, what, do I, what am I saying? I'm saying don't avoid your problems. That's what I'm saying. Don't avoid them. There's a word I learned in therapy. It's called suppression. If you suppress your problems, your, your issues inside, if you, if you, if you decide you're not going to fight the battle, you're going to run away, you suppress, and what happens? Always comes back. Uh, my therapist said, yes, I've, I've been in lots of therapy. We can talk about that later. But um, <laughs> not perfect, man. Far from it. Uh, my therapist said that if you, if you suppress your anger, your thoughts, your, the things that you're going through, it's like, uh, it's like you have a beach ball in a pool. And you can push it down as far as you want, but ultimately, gravity's going to win, right? Ultimately, it's going to come back up. And that's what happens when we, when we choose not to fight our battles. We suppress. We, we, we lose is what we do. So we have a choice today. To win or to lose. To be with God, not to be with God. To turn toward the fight and to fight with all your might and to realize you got a big, big God behind you or to run away and still get caught, right? Pretty easy choice, especially when I put it that way. But then Monday comes, right? You wake up and you're like, oh, do I really need to pray today? I will. I'll do it later, right? Move on. And so we're talking about, uh, originally in this first part, we were talking about anxiety and fears. And um, I think we can add stress to that pot right? I was reading about stress this week, and for the first time in a long time, our, um, our lifespan is actually uh, going down because of, and, and they say, they're, they're equating this uh, to the problem of stress. They're saying because of stress, life expectancy is actually declining. And the, uh, the author basically talked about how because of stress, we are treating our bodies poorly, Right? Like me chugging Starbucks before I come out here. That's not a good idea, right? Some of us uh, have struggled in the past with substances, right? Or just bad habits in general. Maybe at night you have a bad habit of staying up too late and watching TV to kind of decompress, right? And not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but if that's a habit, so you're watching the news all night and it's terrible and there's so many things going on, you wake up the next morning, you're not really feeling better. You're not really feeling revived, right? It's kind of just an overlap of yesterday's stress. And we keep going through that over and over and over and over. And that stress causes us to make even worse decisions, right? And so today we're talking about fear, anxiety. I'm going to throw stress into the mix. And so the way that we fight that, the way that we fix that, is we, we replace those things with something else, okay? That's the way that change happens. You replace those things. And there's five things that I was talking about, again, October 1st. If you, if you miss that one, you're going to miss the first two that I really talked about in that message. So you can go back online and watch that. But the five things that we can replace stress, anxiety, and fear are uh, his presence, his, uh, our prayer, your resilience, your faith, and his power. It's all up there, and all the scriptures are up there. So I already went through presence, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, acknowledge him in all your ways. He'll make your path straight. Uh, acknowledging God, right? If you want to start somewhere, start with acknowledgement of God. That's easy, right? That's waking up tomorrow morning and saying, yes, I've, I've got, I don't know what's going to happen today. 
I don't know what's going to happen this week. Lord, you know the things that I'm worried about, but I acknowledge your presence in my life, which is a pretty important factor, right? If you acknowledge God and he's in your life, then all those other problems seem so much smaller. That's what it means by fearing God, right? When you fear God, you revere God. You understand who he is and how big he is and that he is for you. And it says in Romans 8, if he's for you, who can be against you? It's recognizing this power that you have with God in your life and then in comparison to all your little issues, right? And it's nothing. And it makes those little issues kind of fade into the distance. It doesn't mean you don't handle them as you need to. You do. He leads you. He guides you. He helps you prioritize and shows you what you need to work on, right? He helps us uh, with so many different things. He gives us wisdom. He gives us guidance. And he gives us perspective, right? So his presence is the first thing. The second thing is our prayers. Philippians 4, uh, 6 through 7. Um, I'm just going to read that real fast. Is that the right scripture? Yeah, okay, there we go. Be, uh, I'm just going to read it on here. Do not be anxious about anything, okay? Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry. But in, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, uh, on the first, I, I gave an example of how I was kind of praying, but I was kind of mumbling and not being clear, and it wasn't really helping. My prayers weren't working, but the truth is I wasn't really praying. I was just kind of mumbling, right? And so I went on to actually pray and give God my specific requests, my specific requests. This is, what, this is what's bothering me, God. One, two, three, four. These are the things. Please take those things. And what happened is God gave me peace, right? And so that's the result. Sometimes he won't take the problem away, but he will give us peace. And then, like I said, he'll help us prioritize. He'll help us understand what's important. And you can only work on one thing at a time anyway, right? So he'll say, hey, work on this first. But sometimes we won't get that wisdom until we humble ourselves, right? Humble ourselves and come to him first. It's funny. It's, it's like God just really wants us to do things right. It's the weirdest thing. Right? Like, like when we think, okay, have you guys ever had this thought? Like, you're like, okay, God, you know my issues, you know my problems, so you've got that, right? Okay, I'm just going to go live my life. And God's like, no, 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 come back. Let's talk about it. Let's, talk, let's spend some time. And I think that's the point. The point is he just wants our time. He wants, he wants to have an actual relationship with us, which we can have. And, you, and, you, and you guys, some of you guys say, there's no way I can have a relationship with God. I'm a sinful person. You don't know me, Josh. Well, you don't know me either, right? Truth is, we mess up. We do. We all do. I was thinking about the scale of like a, a super Christian over here who's never messed up and then somebody who just can never get it right. I definitely lean more this way. But I'm always led back to God and I'm always reminded of who he is. Always. And he always shows up. He just does, right? So his presence, our prayers. Third thing is our reliance. Look at uh, Matthew 14. 22. We'll start in verse 22, Matthew 14, 22. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost, right? 
And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it's I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I love this story because I, I, I feel like I have a lot of common uh, traits with Peter. Peter gets so excited when he hears that it's God, right? That he hears that it's his Lord. It's his, it's his friend, but also his Lord. And he says, hey, if it's you, let me come. Let me do this too. I want to jump out there and be with you. And he says, all right, come. And Peter jumps out of the boat and starts walking on the water. And then he looks around. He's like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> what, is, what is happening right now? He, he, looks, he, he looks to the side instead of looking straight. He looks to the side. And he starts to sink. And Jesus says, come on, Peter. Don't worry about what's around you. It's just me and you. I wonder how Peter thought afterwards, after he started sinking and Jesus said, you have a little faith. I wonder if he was like bummed about that. Like, you know, like Jesus really thinks I have no faith. This is, this is terrible. I wonder if he forgot all about the fact that he walked on water, right? He had just walked on water. Sometimes we forget that. We forget those moments in our lives where we have walked on water, where we have done things that should not have been done, right? That, 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 that the laws of gravity, the laws of this world say, no, no, no. We have been through the situations that we never thought we, should, we could get through. We have overcome. We are here today, right? We are here today. And we forget those times. We forget those times when we have walked literally on water. Because then we looked around and got afraid. But it's kind of like a process, isn't it? You get afraid, you fall, you get back up. You get back up, you get back up, you get back up. Rely on him. You do that by staying focused on him, right? The fourth thing is faith. Look at, uh, look at Hebrews 11, 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Let me ask you a question. What is it that you hope for? Think about it. What do you hope for? What are your hopes? How many of you guys realize that you have hopes? <laughs> How many of you guys forgot all about your hopes? You let those go because they haven't come through yet, right? Yeah, that's never going to happen. Not for me. Maybe it works for somebody else. I want to encourage you to reclaim your hopes. Reclaim them because God cares about them. Reclaim the hopes and see God do things that you do not see happening, right? Have faith. Have faith. Faith is a substance, the Bible says, and it's also a gift. And I think that if you do the first three of these things, if you focus on his presence, if you focus on praying, and you focus on relying on him, I think faith is kind of a result of those things. It just comes, right? You have to receive faith. 
And you guys have to believe that he cares enough to give it to you, right? The fifth thing is power, which is another result of doing these first three things. You'll start to see the power of God in your lives. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus had uh, been crucified, and he came back, and he was speaking to his followers. This is one of the last times. This is the last time, I believe, uh, that he speaks to his followers. And they say, they ask him a question. They say, Lord, is it this time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Which really literally meant the kingdom of Israel. Like they wanted, they were, in, uh, the Romans were in charge of them. They were under oppression from the Romans. Uh, and they wanted their, they wanted their country back, their land back. Like, like it is right now, they're fighting over that land right now. They, they fought over their land back then too. And so they wanted it back. And they thought that their Messiah was going to do that. The Messiah was going to restore their kingdom, Right. And Jesus basically says to them, it's not for you to even worry about that. And in verse 1-8, he says, pull it up, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. In other words, he's saying, listen, you're missing the point by thinking too small. You're thinking way too small. You're thinking about this little land right here. You're thinking about this little, this little kingdom right here. But I'm telling you that my kingdom is much bigger it's much wider. It's much deeper. It's much more significant. I want you to see things how I see them. Not, not, not see things from the lens of your own little world, but see things through the lens of this, this universe, of this God who cares about all humankind, who's cared about us since day one, who's building a place for us in heaven, right? And Jesus is, is, is our ticket to that. He's our, he's our uh, compadre, man. He's our friend. He's our host. He's going to be the one that, that leads us there, right? He's saying, listen, don't look at these little things that you want. So when I talk about reclaiming your hopes, don't think about little things. Think big. Dream big. Maybe that's why you're not seeing God move, because you're not dreaming big enough, you know? You ever thought about that? And also, it takes time. It takes time, man. How many uh, people in the Bible, think about Abraham, Moses, different people, how many times, they, they, God didn't really move in their lives until way later in their lives. It, was, it took a lot of time and a lot of patience, and you think, oh, I've had enough patience. Well, maybe you haven't. Maybe you have no idea how, how, how much patience you can actually have, right? And maybe God's doing something inside of you in the process, Right? Maybe he's making you into a stronger individual through testing your patience. So the power will come. The power will come. Now, the truth is, and I hate to say this, but the truth is, as far as the first three, his focusing on his presence and praying hard and relying, most of you will never do it. Most of you will never do it. Why? Because it hasn't gotten hard enough. Right? Maybe you will eventually, but I, ho I hope you do. But you won't do it unless, okay? Unless you change your mindset. That's a big unless, okay? So hear that. You won't do it unless you change your mindset. You won't do it unless you change your thinking. That's on you. That's not on God. That's on you. Changing your mindset. And some of you in here, you are blessed with many years. I'm going to say it that way. <laughs> and those of you who are blessed with many years, it's harder to change, right? 
can't, no, it was a dog thing. Anyway, uh, harder to change the older we get. Because, because these thoughts and these ways, these routines become cemented in our brains. But let me say this. It doesn't matter if you're 95. It doesn't matter if you're 102. It doesn't matter if you're on uh, the Today Show, the jelly thing. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you can change. No matter how old you are, how stuck in your ways you are, you can change. No matter how stubborn you are, right? And it's not just an age thing. It is stubbornness as well. My, my three-year-old, she's little, and, um, and she's stubborn, man. She's stubborn, but, but I love it because I know that she's going to be very strong when she needs to be. So I'm going to f- finish here. Um, we've got, I don't know, five, five ten minutes, uh, maybe, I don't know, seven or so. I'm going to go through some scriptures really quickly. Sandy, you don't have these scriptures. I'm speaking to Sandy, the volunteer of the week. Uh, she doesn't have these scriptures, so don't worry about pulling them up because I'm going to go fast. Um, but I'm going to give you guys the idea behind these scriptures, okay? First, regarding your thoughts. So Isaiah 55, 8 says, his thoughts are not our thoughts, okay? His thoughts are not our thoughts. We have to remember that. Sometimes we think that God thinks like we think, but he doesn't. God doesn't doubt when we doubt, right? God doesn't fear when we fear. God doesn't worry, right? God, God isn't, isn't uh, stressed about, you know, the problems, your financial problems or your marriage problems or your uh, problems with your kids. He's not stressed about those things. He doesn't think like we think. And we have to remember that. So we're coming to him. Say, God, please change me. Make me more like you. Help me to think more like you think. Right? Psalm 91, uh, 94, 11 uh, talks about how he knows our thoughts. And he's not impressed. Okay? He knows our thoughts. He's not impressed. He's like, yeah, okay. I know. I knew you were going to think that because I'm God, right? Daniel 7.28, our thoughts can be alarming. They can. Our thoughts can bring us into a funk, right? How many of you guys realize that you're really stressed out in a moment, and then you go back and you think about what you thought about the last few days? You got yourself worked up, right? Matthew 15, 19 talks about how evil thoughts can come from within our hearts. We are capable of thinking good things, and we are capable of thinking not so good things, right? Romans 2.15 talks about how our thoughts can be conflicting. You guys ever had those types of thoughts where you're, you believe one thing, but you also believe another thing, and those things don't really match up, and that causes havoc in our brains, right? 2 Corinthians 11.3 talks about how our thoughts can uh, lead us astray, right? Our thoughts, our thinking can, can uh, be uh, used as a tool by the devil if we're not careful, if we don't... Uh, if we don't take captive of our thoughts, if we don't choose to think the right things, we can end up off the path. Hebrews 4.12, and this is one of my favorite scriptures about thinking, is that his word reveals the intentions of our hearts. His word will reveal where, kind of where we're going wrong, you know? And that's good, so we can correct it. Some of you guys have been chastised. You've been, um, you, you've, you've been whooped by God a little bit. And, and, and that's a good thing, okay? That's a good thing. Because that's not God saying that you are, you're kicked out of the tribe. That's not God saying you'll never do it. It's, it's quite the opposite. That's God saying, I'm going to give you a little whooping here. I'm going to give you a little bit of a spanking here because I know you can. You can do better. 
You can do better. I'm going to correct you because you can do better. I'm going to discipline you because you can do better. Because you can do better. We can all do better, right? Um, there's more scriptures on your mind, uh, which I will go through at another time. But lo- let's look at the, this scripture on, on your mind. Romans 8, 6 through 7. Let's pull that up. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. Right? We have a choice. That's what today's message is called. We have a choice. We can choose to set our minds on the things, the problems of this world, the frustrations, the angers. Some of you guys are carrying a chip on your shoulder. You don't have to. It's only hurting you at this point. Some of you guys are dealing with unforgiveness for real things, real things. You know, some people have hurt you. Somebody has hurt you. And they did it over and over, and, they, and it's terrible. But by the power and the grace of God, I pray that you learn to forgive and let go of that pain and let go of the things that have been done to you. Yes, you were a victim at one point, but you are no longer a victim because you are in Christ Jesus, right? You are in Christ Jesus. And maybe you are. Maybe, maybe you're in a place where you are being victimized now, and I, and I pray and hope that you get help. Okay? Romans 12, 2 says this. Again, one of my favorite scriptures. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, okay, which means changed. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. If you think different, you'll actually change. You'll actually be different. The last scripture I'm going to read is Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Let's do those. It says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, uh, in full accord and of one mind. So Paul's telling them, be unified. Be of one mind. Support each other. Be with each other. Want the same things. How do you do this? How do you get to a place where you have unity with your family? How do you get to a place where you have unity with your friends in Christ? How do you get to a place where you have unity with your church? Well, he, he, Paul, Paul tells you right here in verse uh, 3. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition. It's that simple. Don't be selfish. Look out for each other. Realize you're part of a thing here. You're part of a group. You're part of a family. And if your family member's hurt, so are you. And if your family member's okay and safe, so are you. So you look out for each other. And then you start to desire the same things. Desire God in your life. More than anything. More than anything. I mean, if there's one thing, we could, we could scratch the entire sermon right now, and I could just say this, desire God in your life. And, and maybe you don't. Maybe it's not in your heart. Maybe you're not feeling it. For years and years and years, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. And so I would go to bed at night, and I would pray one prayer. I'd say, Lord, put inside 
of my heart love for you because I don't have it. Just put it inside me, please. And I'd go to bed. For years, I prayed this prayer. And you know what? One day I woke up and I started, started feeling it. Started being concerned about things that God is concerned about. I started seeing the need for loving the people that were in my lives more. I started seeing what God could do in their lives as well. It's not hard. It's not. I mean, it gets hard, but when it all comes down to it, it's much less of a struggle to choose God's way, right? It really is, honestly. But it is a choice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that that would sit. I pray that we would uh, think about this today, that it's a choice. It's literally a choice to walk with you or to not. And I pray for this church, Lord. I pray, God, that you give us the strength. I pray that you give us the ability. I pray that you give us the power. I pray that you give us the grace, Lord, to stop ignoring you and to start seeking you. I pray for love for you. I pray that you would put a love in our hearts. Even this week, it's going to get dark out there. It's going to get crazy out there. But I pray that you put love in our hearts. And Lord, like those little signs uh, that we're going to put up in front of our houses that say, light up the night. I pray that you would light up our lives so that we are a light in the darkness. Lord, make our lives salty so that we are a, a, a spice for life, that we are your witnesses, that we are your kids, and that when people see us, they see a reflection of you. God, we need your grace. We need your mercy. And I pray, Lord, that you'd move in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. If you need prayer, come up and get it. Love you guys. for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.